0: everyone, welcome back to Artist in pajamas with me Livia Papunik and my good friend Chloe Rochefort. It's been a while since our last podcast, but we've got a really exciting guest for you today so let's get right to it <laughs> Hello. So today we are welcoming our dearest friend from RCA,
1: Woojin. She's also my studio mate at the moment. We've known her for a year and a half. She's been really inspiring. And to kickstart this interview, we're going to ask uh, this kind of weird original question. So if you were to carry your personal paradise in your pocket, what would it be?
2: hello everyone and hi Livia and hi Chloe I'm so excited to be here today with you guys Um, I've just listened to your newest podcast as well and I was thinking it's like oh my god I'm gonna be on it Um, (laughs) to answer the first question um, what would my little paradise be it has to be sunny (laughs) I need sun to survive and these couple of days the weather's been horrible and I've been struggling but it has to be sunny it has to be by the beach or even better in the water or somehow where I can breathe constantly in the water still or like a sea creature but it has to have no plastic waste and it needs to be clean nice water um and I would like all different sorts of animals especially whales and dogs and but I would still love to eat rice and all the food I enjoy so it's like an amalgam of like sea creature but then I still have a human appetite and it's all available to me conveniently <laughs> that's like okay. I was
0: picturing like an ocean full of different animals and it really made me laugh yeah <laughs> it
1: sounds really amazing to be honest can I come with you because I mean I need sun as well <laughs>
2: They're to be like these half mermaid creatures.
0: Ooh, that's <laughs> cool. Why I, that. <laughs> so it's, it's, I like that. I like the bit where you said um uh, with no plastic waste, because then straight away, we get an idea of uh, of uh, what you like in your practice, which is um, talking about waste and things. So you wanna uh, explain your kind of background with that a little bit?
2: Um Yeah, so, well, in my BA, whether I studied, Printed textile design um, for the first, one, first year and second year, I never really considered any sustainability or any waste or any aspects around that. I was just in my fresh years mm-hmm. out of out in UK for the first time. And like, I really did not think about what I was doing and what I really wanted to do. And I took a year out and during then I um, had the opportunity to volunteer at Mad- in Madagascar. As a marine conservationist volunteer, and from that experience, um, I think I, for the first time, really saw like the plastic waste issues around there, and um, during that, I really realized I would really want to do a work concerning this issue, and that's um, so that became my entire year's final year project, and the project was titled "Making Plastic Precious Again." And I was inspired by these beautiful plastic jewelies of the 50s, 60s, 70s, when it was first invented. Um, these plastic bakelite jewelies were made, they're so exquisite, and like I fell in love with those. And then it was a strong contrast with how we treat them now. And I wanted to recreate them out of the plastics I found off, around different beaches of the UK, from like Hastings, Kent, Margate, Ramsgate. And I wanted to turn them into equally beautiful accessories that already carries their own story. Um, yeah, so that's been my final year project at my BA. And in MA, I, currently, I'm looking more into other materials, and especially textiles, and how to re-bridge the gap between us and textile as well. Because textile is one of the most, like you all know, we're all in the textile. Um, Studies, <laughs> we all know how polluting, how, um, how damaging it is to the environment. Yet yeah, textile is such an important material to us, and I think, yeah, I'm just exploring those areas. <laughs>
1: amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's really amazing because like repurposing is such a wide subject, isn't it? Like salvaging, recycling, and I mean, I think I was also wondering and Lydia as well, like what, what inspired like what inspired you inspires you as an artist in this television material? What like what drives you to, to them or like yeah, what's inspired you in them? Yeah.
2: Um, I think main thing that inspires me are the objects itself and the ordinariness, the everydayness of them and how mundane they are or how unimportant they might seem and then if you look at it then if you try and find a story around them there's always something behind that you can kind of communicate and i think that was interesting in the plastic um, project where i geolocated all the plastics that were found in each areas and then they became part of the exhibition where i put down the gps of the objects Mm -hmm. and how it was turned and kind of imagining where it could have come from. And and there's like story of itself being used and then it was thrown away and then it lived in ocean for a while. And now it became these beautiful jewelies and for textile work currently as well. Um, I look at the objects and they must have a story. My recent pieces I dream of you, which is of my own socks and I embroidered my face on it and that socks I owned it for four years and then um while doing this while doing this project i saw it and i i realized i couldn't really throw it away because it really became part of me and every object even if it's industrially produced it it could carry our personal meaning and i think those little stories really inspire me
0: i think it's really cool like how the the combination of your sock with that embroidery which takes hours to make is a really nice like um uh, comparison as well because as you said that stock is like industrial made probably made really quickly really cheaply you've had it for years you could easily bin you could so easily bin it and buy a new one and to mix to kind of mix that with like a process like embroidery that you do which takes so many hours to make and so it's so precise it's just a, it's kind of like throwing the bold with the with the delicate it's a really nice kind of contrast
2: yeah definitely and i think it's always fun to challenge like what is valuable and what is not valuable and it's it really depends on our perception and like i think lockdown as well especially it gives people more time to think about how we get our materials and where we are disposing them
1: yeah because i guess i mean like when we look at this domestic space around us and these like objects that we like cross in the streets, it's just I think everything has more value since you just are near them and you just embrace them way more. So it's really like a, an interesting angle that you're exploring right there, I guess.
0: Yeah. As a practitioner, what do you, what kind of word do you think would describe you the best? Yes. Be a complicated question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I used the word in my bio for like a recent work in progress exhibition. I used the word material storyteller to describe myself mm-hmm. and then someone questioned it and I was like, well, what where did that come from? I, I had to think about it. But I think originally it came from a book that I read which was called How to Be an Artist and then in there the wrote right um the author wrote that all artists are actually material poets Mm -hmm. and I think it's a really beautiful way to say that because as artists you Mm -hmm. observe what's happening around you and then you put them in your own material language that cannot be explained in words that I think that's what artists do yeah really and Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and for me then I wanted to be I am an artist but then I want to be on the side of materials as well and tell their stories because they don't have a voice as, like us and to give them voice is a way of empowering them. And I think that's what I want to be and who I aspire to be, I think.
0: Definitely. I think like when I read Material Storyteller and your bio, I thought it was really striking because I hadn't really read that before. Like my go-to is like textile artists, mixed media artists embroidery like they all kind of say the same thing whereas here straight away as you said you you kind of the attention isn't on you it's on the material and I feel like it's giving value to what is fundamentally the most important um part of the whole project um so I thought is yeah I thought it was a really poetic way of of describing yourself. Thank you
2: but yeah, I
1: also sorry. Oh, sorry go ahead go ahead please
2: I also sometimes <laughs> just stick with like mixed media textile artists because like if I say in the conversation like so what do you do and like material storyteller they're gonna be like oh
1: but you can you can give your like you can have a name
0: whatever the name you want i'm sure so there yeah. is like a lot of people that are cool it's quite so like crazy it, it's quite like it, it gives it, it gives room for questioning because it's not straight away yeah. they can't make an assumption to what it is you make whereas like with a textile artist and embroidery artist straight away people make an assumption yeah. to what it is that you make. Whereas with material storytelling, they can't really, they don't really know what it is that you do. They just know that it's about materials and it's about storytelling. So it's quite um, mm-hmm. direct whilst being quite mysterious.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Nice. Space for
2: yeah, <laughs> and it's like a nice maybe conversation starter or like in panel discussion to bring it up.
1: And I think about this like, this topic i was i was wondering like what is your relationship to process and making what what does it mean for you and yeah how do you see it in your practice do you feel like it's uh, a way to research is it that come after the research like how does it work in your mind you know like we all want to
2: know this is like (laughs) this is a big question (laughs) i mean mm, i've never really taken in embroidery seriously until I came to DMA. I got a glimpse of it in my BA practice, especially in the final year, because I thought it was such an interesting way of keeping the material, the found plastics as they are, but on top of it, you were able to add um, beautiful details to it and add a layer of story to it. But I've never really given much thought and in mixed media, our basis is around embroidery and um, I think in the first year, it really gave me a glimpse of what embroidery could be. And I thought embroidery itself is very poetic in the topic that I'm researching because it talks about reconnecting the gap between assets and objects and stitching and embroidery is one of the oldest ways of building and constructing and joining materials that humans ever used. And I think it it really is a poetic work in itself, and the actual making of it also gives me the time to reflect while I am making. And I think it's kind of similar to drawing and painting, where I never know what it what it's actually going to look like until it happens, and then I see something happening. I don't like it, then then from there I could learn it, what is it that I don't like and how do I want to change it and what is it that I really want to say through these piece so it's an actually it's actually like a constant like you said a research practice and then also a making practice and it's all it happens at once
0: as you say it's about stitching things together and bringing but it's it's also like um one of the the oldest form of storytelling in that form of people mm-hmm. stitching stories and people passing on, uh, people quilting their stories in order to be able to share things that maybe they couldn't voice, um, mm-hmm. especially for women, you know, in the past, uh, being able to communicate mm-hmm. to people in that kind of creative way. Um, and I always thought, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love Invojit, that kind of, it has such, without you even doing any stories of your own, embroidery has such a strong story um, that I think that adds on to any kind of work that you do, Um, especially when the topic is, as you say, like about telling your story and um, telling the story of those materials, then it kind of, um, it's a beautiful kind of mix.
2: Definitely. And I think your, oh my God, your words make me reflect more now, but um, I think it's really like you said, um embroidery allowed people to voice in their own way what um couldn't really be voiced. And mm-hmm. in a way these materials cannot voice themselves and it does give them a voice of its own. It's still through me, but I tried to, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really <laughs> it's very poetic. <laughs> I think
1: yeah, it's like it's most I I haven't stitched a lot. I mean, you're masters of stitching, you too. I know. You know. It's just I I do feel like there is a huge like social connection that happens when you stitch. Like it's just it's not about stitching material. I mean, it is, but it's also about much more than that. You can I think give it as much like emphasis as we want and as much meaning as you want. And it can be as like super literal, but it can be also like super like metaphorical and really philosophical. So I think in this way, it's really a great material, as you said, and it's really a nice technique to explore with like a lot of diversity into it. So, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much potential to it, and I think I guess that's why we all see it so much in like fine art contexts today as well, and a lot of people are using it mm-hmm. as their medium.
0: Yeah, it's going so much. I remember researching textile artists, like, in my first year of BA, so, like, five years ago, and just, like, it just, I always saw the same, obviously, there would have been loads more, but on the internet, anyway, I always used to see the same five people, you know, it was, and, like, I swear, I, I remember talking to probably you, Eugene, I don't know who else I would have talked about, in, in <laughs> but, like, and I remember, like, oh, yeah, this was, and realising that everyone had the same textile artist references, because that's all you could find on the internet. And yeah. 2000 to now, how you can find so much more. And such a okay. variety of stuff that people do with it is really encouraging. Yeah,
2: and I think it's we got
1: really democratised, yeah. We got really democratised, like, mm. with the time, yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
2: And especially, like, with the ever, like... Well, craft re- never really had, like, set boundaries, but I think today, more than ever, it just is a very integral part of it and it's seeing more value in the fine art world as well so it's you know it's interesting
0: where do do you that was actually one of our our questions that we thought of earlier but like um continue that kind of idea of craft and art and the current situation that also we are in in the fact that obviously it will change but the fact that we can't physically feel and see things and I think a big part of craft is being able to feel the, material, the materiality of it, or at least like see it and connect with it. Um, so how do you think it will maybe evolve in the future? Or how do you think it can evolve in terms of um, sharing digitally mm-hmm. the craft? Oh.
2: <laughs> when I was listening to the start of the question, I was actually more thinking of like what the future of craft itself is in like a societal societal context rather than what the makings of it will be. And in that aspect, i last couple of days I've been listening to um Colette's um yeah. craft air talks and they talked about the importance of craft in the coming years post-COVID, where there's been there has been a void in the common retail um sector and then the importance of craft coming in there and really helping to build the community and i do believe that craft really has the power to do so but in terms of more related to the question you ask i don't know i've been thinking about how textile could really be exhibited digitally and but it's just at the end of the day i value so much the physical things and I read some where I think it was like Makers by Chris Anderson and then he talked about at, like the digital world and um, digital art, digital design, um, e-fashion, everything is great and celebrated but at the end of the day we are all atoms and we will forever consume physical objects and we cannot ever neglect what is physical. and post-COVID, whenever people will have the chance, I think they will they will have an urge to see the textures, see the tactilities and really engage with physical objects. And I think that even if the digital world, world and digital art progresses, I do really believe in the value of physical. And yeah, and I don't think it will go yeah. for the foreseeable future. <laughs>
1: So I'm wondering, actually, like, what do you think would happen if suddenly we couldn't touch anything, or we lost like this tactility ability like that. that we have? And <laughs> like, you know, like, what do you like? It's just it's crazy thinking about it, no you know. It's just uh, I mean, I
2: think the main thing it would also cause is like it will even further harm the connection between people because like tactility, mm-hmm. it it really is what. Connects between people as well, and not just with our objects, and not just the sense itself, but it's a way of us communicating. And I think, I don't know, I can't even be- begin to imagine what it will be like.
0: Even it. <laughs> it, it, it makes such a difference, like seeing something within a space as well, like you know, a, a textiles or a glass sculpture. So it's like they. They look and feel so different depending on the space they are in, depending on how they're curated. So I feel like just seeing it a digital world just only shows one possible curated way. And it's just such a shame to lose all those, you know, the light shining through, how the light interacts with the object or the textile piece, um, how it makes you feel when you're in the room. It's just all those qualities that are so fundamental to kind of appreciating something and seeing the uh, kind of seeing the talent, the time and the energy behind it as well
2: yeah definitely and i think it's another question is then if we well we are crafters and then if we wanted the work to be digital then do we um bring in a third party a third technician a separate entity to translate our work in such digital atmosphere um digital space or do we learn that ourselves and do we become these digitally we learn mm. this digital language or do we employ someone else to do it then what does that relationship become and is that really true truly just my work true. and i think it just you, kind of opens up mm. something else
0: that's yeah that's so a very believe,
1: no i was gonna say like do you really like do you believe actually it's the role of craftsmen and craft to actually learn these digital things uh to i don't know like rebuild their work and their thinking or do you <laughs> actually like no because because, yeah, it's been, like, I think a huge question during, all, like, the work in progress show we did with us here as well, like, what mm-hmm. is the place of digitality and how much does it have input on our practice as, like, physical practitioner, I guess, so, yeah. I wouldn't say
2: it's the role of crafts mm-hmm. craftsmen or craftswomen because, <sighs> I don't know, tell me to build cinema 4D. <laughs> to the world, I would be like, oh no, that's not gonna happen in like five years. Give me like ten years, I'll do it. <laughs> and I don't think it's the role of them or of me, because there's a reason why I don't do it because I'm not good at it, and there's a reason why I'm actually making these textile stuff because I'm, I hope I'm good at it. <laughs> I, hope I have talent.
1: I hope so. I, you
0: yeah.
2: know you're good. You
1: know you're good.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think like, I mean, it's like the dilemma. Um, I, I I tried to do some Cinema 4D and some other stuff the other day to kind of see how I could translate my work digitally and it straight away just, I, I became so angry at it and I, it, it really took all of the fun and the joy out of the work that I do out of it. Um, Yeah. And it's was just, it, yeah. And I also, I think with crafters and, you know, it becomes a craft and it becomes like, we become when we spend hours working on something when we spend hours developing it learning it years kind of perfecting it and that kind of idea is that you choose you know on usually you choose one thing and you kind of like really become Mm -hmm. an expert at it and I feel like suddenly in this world we feel like we need to do everything like suddenly we need to become we need to become the the digital artist as well and be able to recreate it digitally we need to become I'm not going to go into all the marketing thing we need to do, but everything like it—it it is like, it takes so much more time out of our work. And actually, as you said, like, this is someone else's skill. This is uh, another artist who does this on an everyday basis and that's their uh, expertise and us trying to um, do it really kind of saddens our process. But then at yeah. the same time, trying having to suddenly feel like you need to collab- collaborate with all these people in order to, make your work accessible online is quite frustrating because like obviously i love collaboration we've done a whole podcast about collaboration but the idea that sometimes like you feel like digitally anyways how else how else do you uh, sell your work online if it's not collaborating with someone and hoping they do exactly what you want because you actually have quite a strong idea or do you do it yourself and spend hours screaming at the laptop
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's just so complicated knowing what you want. And, but also at the same time, it's it's so difficult to do everything on your own. And it's just, I think at some point I, I personally really need to accept that yeah. I, I can't do everything. And I think it, a lot of young artists do need to realize and lessen our own pressures that we cannot do everything and we will not be good at everything.
0: Yeah.
1: No, I, I totally. I, I guess it's like I guess it's always tricky because we feel so independent, you know, in the way we evolve, like with university at the moment and in general in life. So like maybe the artistic practice is in a way a bit solid like solitary, you know, like it's like it's something that you do on your own and it's always complicated because you have so much control over it because it's something that you spend years and years to learn, as you said, like both of you earlier. And I guess that's why where maybe it's always complicated to say, oh, actually I have to to give place for someone else to help me with that, because it's not my place. And I think it's also like a really nice way to think about it. It's a way to be extremely open minded. And yes, just open to other way of thinking. I think maybe this leads to also this question, like, like when you think about the art industry in general, like what what do you like? think is the most daunting about it how do you like what do you think is the most complicated to engage with and to yeah
2: yeah I mean everything about our industry is daunting (laughs) but mainly it's mainly I guess it's at the core level of it it's the fact that no one cares if you don't do it (laughs) Uh I mean if I stop if I decide okay Maybe I don't have talent. I'm just going to be, maybe I'll just work at like a textile company and like a salesperson. No one would ever care. Maybe like for like my friends, uh, you guys would care maybe. (laughs) And my boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little bit. But (laughs) no one in this entire world will really care. It's like, oh, you have to be making art. And it's at the end of the day, it's dependent on my own self-discipline and my own self trust and belief that th- there is value in this in what i am doing but at the end of the day you also need to be your own self-critic in order to develop your style and tell yourself okay you have to improve on this this isn't working um this isn't communicating well but at the same time you can't go too far and have to balance it back with okay there is value, still value in what i do and i need to keep doing even if i'm not Recognize, i'm not th- discovered and so it's just the balance of it and just not losing faith when there's so many other talented people out there and just keep going until someone yeah sees and values my work <laughs> I,
0: think that, I think that's like you've mentioned it like as you said you've got to constantly give value to it yourself and as, like you know you've got such a strong message in your work um and the, it's a message that is like not only personal to you but the message that people should listen and that people should um you know if they're not aware of it they should become aware of it um and therefore there's value in the fact that the communication and raising awareness of it is um is fundamental and i think most awareness about all these things happens from people being create creative in some kind of medium creatively mm. engaging with people and m- making people question themselves
2: mm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, art really has the power to be political and communicate really important messages. But I think if I go back to what is daunting, I think the main thing is that even if I don't do it, there will be someone who's trying to communicate that message. And it's just (laughs) encouraging myself, it's okay. Yeah. You'll get there. Your message is important. Keep going.
0: Your personal touch—it was important. <laughs> yeah,
2: my own vision.
0: <laughs> but also, I, we didn't really um, approach it that much, but because we mentioned the um, kind of recycling and upcycling of the garments and um, of textiles industry, what about uh, the kind of what's the word? Your roots and traditions. I think
2: so. Long, this is the other aspect. Um, this COVID lockdown did have on me, it's more reflection on my own cultural heritage and my own, so I'm half Chinese, half Korean, and I grew up in China and Korea, half and half kind of, but mostly in China. And so um, now I never really in my BA like print design work or in my final year plastic work really used that much of my own cultural heritage or really gave a second thought on it because I thought, I didn't know much to bring anything of those aspects into my work. And I thought maybe I don't have the right voice to bring these aspects into my work. But I think over the course of lockdown, I um, especially with drawing from Korean and Chinese old masters and really looking at what we have in my own cultural background really started to make me appreciate it more and gave me courage I don't need to be this authority to bring it into my work um, so in that sense it kind of is becoming more evident in my works now and I try to adapt and put it into yeah, my working process and also I, I'm very interested in Asian philosophies like Taoism or Confucianism or Lao Tzu and those sort of um, philo- spiritual religious philosophies and it kind of changes the way i think about material as well and the yeah and their main especially in taoism their main message is the duality of things and seeing the value and the value at the same time and one thing cannot exist without the other and i think those kind of um philosophical ideas do kind of have an underlying importance in, in my making process and in my decision making process
0: completely I mean that goes exactly with what you were saying earlier with that kind of idea mm-hmm. of valuing uh, something that's been discarded and that has kind of been ignored and stuff so it's it's nice to see how kind of what seems like two very opposite topics mm-hmm. of inspiration that actually uh, once you do the research it links together really poetically
2: yeah and I think it, it like any other artists like my role is to bring all these different inspirations together as my own. Yeah.
1: I mean I think it's really amazing because like I, I think one of the talents of artists in general is being able to like take an inspiration from a really cultural background and like also maybe combine it with something super contemporary and then create their own like their own real practice. And I think that's why it's so interesting and so enriching. And that's why there is always room for craft and art to evolve in this way, mm. that people always have like a different perception on the way they conceive the cultural background and the way they see the world right now and create this like combination <laughs> that are really magical.
2: <laughs> oh, you did it really well, <laughs> it's magical. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what kind of of, um, advice would you give to your younger self do you think
2: (laughs) I think this is the advice I would give it to current myself as well constantly (laughs) 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 is that I think the main thing is I I really need to see things in the long run because I always easily go into a panic mode and it's like Mm. oh my god there's like that tomorrow and like I won't I haven't done anything or like this is not <laughs> enough i'm like this project is shit and no one's gonna love it but at the end of the day like this one project doesn't define me and mm-hmm. this one deadline doesn't define me and i can always learn and change and make new work and yeah i think it <laughs> as co- cringy or common as it is to say it's not the sprint it's a marathon like, <laughs> I just keep telling myself it's like it's okay I'll do many more cool arts and maybe that will be my iconic world work not this one so it's okay
0: I, I feel like that's such an important one because I I think especially when like you know either you grad, uh either in your final year of BA or final year of MA when when it's kind of like a significant moment of like graduating mm-hmm. and showing how much you've done in those you know in that BA or that MA is really daunting and you feel like you have to do literally something amazing that uh, showcases everything and it it really does become really daunting and I agree with you it's like you know we've got years to carry on doing our practice and if in 20 years my work is totally different uh, than what we've done now then it should be totally okay
2: (laughs) yeah and I think I had this conversation with you Chloe in the studio it's around the fact that like It's okay not really to be recognized. Well, I tell myself it's okay not to be recognized at this point because we can experiment. And if I change this style from my next project, it's okay Like because I'm not recognized yet. Like I I have the space to experiment and yeah, it's actually a, a good thing. No, it
1: is, and I (laughs) think yeah, I think like room to explore, and I guess we always say, you know, we want to be famous artists, but being quite, you know, unknown by everyone, you can do whatever you want, and you can actually like change whatever you want to do and be crazy at the moment, and completely like I don't know, small at another moment, change your practice in all the way possible, and that's why it's magic about it as well, and. And to be honest, I always thought that, you know, when I was going to graduate from LCA was going to be the end of a certain life of mine, you know, and that the apocalypse was awaiting for me after. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we all think the same way. <laughs> we all think the same yeah. way. We try to be wiser about it. <laughs> yeah. And I think
2: yeah, we all have that like ideal. It's like, oh my God, I'm, when I graduate, like, I don't know, Saatchi you will come see my work and I'll start this exhibition journey and everything. And like, I'll get solo shows, I'll get awards, I'll get residences. <laughs> oh, <But> nice. Okay. <laughs> if I don't we get it, to, it, it's okay.
0: <laughs> we need to dream. Yeah. At least we can count on each other to to go and, and visit our art and visit yeah, our, each yes. other in the studio. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I, I mean, at the end of the day, we do it because we like making and no one really is paying us to make this right now so it's like it's <laughs> <our own. laughs>
0: yeah
2: do what we want
0: and uh do you want to maybe say like what you've got coming up i know you've got a few um workshops coming up and uh yeah and your instagram and then people can go and follow you and kind of where people can
2: see more about your work um yeah so Next thing that's happening is next week, I am doing a collaborative workshop with RCA Drawing. And um, I think that is actually just limited to RCA um, staff, students and alumni, but hopefully I'm hoping to do similar workshops in the future of how you could do imaginary drawing inspired by um, artifacts or common things that you would easily just forget about or mm-hmm. from, or it could also be bringing back cultural art and how you could adapt that into your own art. Um, it's inspired by my own practice and I'm very excited to uh, run it with RCA Drawing. On top of that, I think with you guys, with Creating in Crisis, we are planning some new exciting exhibitions hopefully coming up soon and more workshops to follow. So. Mm-hmm yeah hopefully a lot of
0: amazing wow girl (laughs) um we'll post some of your we'll post some of your um work as well on instagram so people can see you um and then we'll tag you as well but um i think what's your instagram
2: yeah um so it's ujin studio w-o-j-i-n studio
0: We will tag that in the Instagram. Yeah, so we can find it. Um, amazing. I think we've we come close to the time. Uh, so our, our final kind of uh, end question that we wanted to ask you was: um, if you could live in a piece of art, which one would you choose?
2: When you kind of let me know that final question, I, before that I was like thinking of oh my God, what is my ideal art? What is my <laughs> ideal art? And I cannot pick one. But then like right now, what's coming into my mind is um, works by Pierre Bonnard. And yeah. he's called a world of like ordinary domain setting, yet so vibrant. And yet so like, it's just lovely. And I think it something that ordinary and that special, I would like to live somewhere like that.
0: I think that's great I I love the fact that you chose a a colorful domestic setting when we (laughs) are
2: after all I am a textile designer or I mean
0: after we all love texture and colors don't we I mean we're all the same people in a way amazing well thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it was really nice to talk to you and um I hope everyone else gets to enjoy this.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's always nice to talk to you girls. Bye everyone.
0: (laughs) We'll see you in a couple of weeks for our next podcast. Bye. Yeah.
1: Bye Jean. (laughs) Bye. Bye.